Hello everybody, this is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. I hope you're doing well, better than me at least. Something deep within me snapped today, which I would like to talk about in a few minutes. But first, let's go over the facts. August 26th, of course, the world was shocked when Alison Parker, a 24-year-old news reporter, and her cameraman, Adam Ward, were murdered during a live TV broadcast in Roanoke, Virginia. Vicki Garner, the woman who was being interviewed by Parker, was shot in the back and is currently in stable condition. This horrific act of violence was carried out by Vesper Lee Flanagan, the second a former colleague of the victims. Vesper, while on the run from the police, posted a series of comments on social media websites, also uploaded a chilling recording of the lead-up to the murder from his perspective, then shot himself in the head while he was driving, crashing his car and later dying in hospital. Immediately after the killing, Vesper, who's a gay black man was described as a disgruntled former employee who had sued the TV station citing racial and sexual discrimination and had filed a complaint with the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the enforcement arm of U.S. affirmative action policies. For those outside the U.S. and outside this madness, the argument is that since blacks are 13% of the population, they need to be 13% of everything, because there can be no possible difference in any hiring or firing scenario with regards to black culture or black achievement or black education or black prison records or black criminality or anything like that. It's got to be 13% because they're 13% of the population or whatever may be more local. On the surface, this murder appears to be a revenge killing prompted by racism on the part of the news station. But if we look deeper, a different story, as usual, begins to emerge, and we have to fight back the strangulating fogs of the mainstream media lies about race. Flanagan got his degree in broadcast journalism at the San Francisco State University, started as a news intern in 1993. He moved up to an on-air reporter and anchor in 97. He used the professional name Bryce Williams. However, his television career came to an abrupt halt in March 2000 when he was fired from his job for, quote, bizarre behavior and threatening employees. He sued his employer, claiming he had, claiming he had suffered from racial prejudice and sought more than $75,000 in damages. And um, his claim was settled out of court in 2001. Then he spent some time out of the news industry but was hired back in 2012 as a multimedia journalist. According to documents obtained by a British newspaper. Why a British newspaper? Because they're not American. WDBJ's station director started sending internal messages about Flanagan's behavior only two months after Flanagan began working there. In a message addressed to Flanagan himself, the station director noted, quote, on three separate occasions in the past month and a half, you have behaved in a manner that has resulted in one or more of your co-workers feeling threatened or uncomfortable. But at least not lead-lined, so that's a plus. During one particular incident, Flanagan, quote, used verbal and body language that left co-workers feeling both threatened and extremely uncomfortable. However, still breathing, so good job. He was instructed to seek medical attention, likely to address his anger issues, and was warned that failure to comply will result in termination of employment. So he had a really vicious temper, scared the hell out of everyone around him, but you can't fire him for almost a year because white privilege, baby. 
And he was forced to, or he was uh, suggested, instructed to seek medical attention. Did he do that or not? I assume that would be a psychiatrist. If so, it seems likely he was put on antidepressants or SSRIs or antipsychotics or other things which can sometimes lead to violent ideation or violent thoughts. According to a former TV station manager, Vestra was an unhappy man. We employed him as a reporter, and he had some talent in that respect and some experience, although he'd been out of the business for a while. He quickly gathered a reputation as someone who was difficult to work with. And um, Vesper received a performance review that rated his ability to cooperate with his co-workers as unacceptable. On another occasion, he was reprimanded for wearing an Obama sticker while recording a news segment at a polling booth during the 2012 U.S. presidential election, which violated company regulations and, quote, standard journalistic ethics. See, standard journalistic ethics is to be pro whoever's on the left, but not to wear their badge. In his performance review, Flanagan received a 1 out of 5 score in several categories for his poor communication skills and a failure to show respect to colleagues, as well as missing deadlines and producing confusing reports that were, quote, lean on facts. Now, of course, if your job is to communicate, scoring a 1 out of 5 on communication skills, not going to lead you to the Shangri-La of professional success. In February 2013, uh, Flanagan was eventually fired because of, quote, unsatisfactory job performance and inability to work as a team member. Upon receiving the news that he was fired, he exploded in anger and started yelling, I'm not leaving. You're going to have to call the fucking police. Call the police. I'm not leaving. I'm going to make a stink and it's going to be in the headlines. I guess he got his wish after all. Police officers were eventually called in to deal with the angry Vesper, who managed to throw a hat and a small wooden cross at the station director. As he was being escorted out of the building, Vesper complained to an officer, you know what they did? They had, they had a watermelon back there for a week and basically called me a nigger. Uh, this also showed up um, in his uh, later lawsuit where he said, there was a watermelon and it was here and it was there and it moved around and it was placed there purposefully. Yeah, because people like sugary, watery fruit. Flanagan eventually filed a lawsuit against the station in 2014. He demanded an all-African-American female jury, as well as independent investigations by the FBI and the Justice Department. Ha! Huh. wonder where he might have got that idea from. Older Obama. Well, I have to keep mulling that over. His lawsuit was later dismissed, and um, uh, you will hear in the mainstream media, which we'll get to in a second, you'll hear in the mainstream media that he sued for racial discrimination. You often won't hear that it was dismissed. He even sent a complaint to the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which was also dismissed. The station manager noted that while Vesper worked there, he accused the staff of making racial comments, yet none of them could be corroborated by anyone. We think they were fabricated. Ha! Can you imagine a minority complaining of racism that turns out to be not really very true? Yes, I... I think I have heard that story before. As the story developed, it was revealed that Flanagan had faxed a 23-page manifesto to ABC News, in which he claims that the murders were a response to the Charleston church shooting that took place earlier this year. And I quote, What sent me over the top was the church shooting, and my hollow-point bullets have the victim's initials on them. As for Dylan Roof, you beep! You want a race war? Beep! Then bring it on, you white beep! 
ABC News deleted the insults. Why so sensitive? Did he did he use a racist insult? Does that not fly against the narrative that only white people can be racist? Well, we better keep that away from the tender ears of the merely breathing. He also claims that Jehovah told him to act, and Flanagan was, or at least was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. ABC reported, quote, Later in the manifesto, the writer quotes the Virginia Tech mass killer, Swing Ho Cho, and calls him his boy and expresses admiration for the Columbine high school killers. Quote, also, I was influenced by Sing Hui Cho. That's my boy right there. He got nearly double the amount that Eric Harris and Dylan Kleibold, the Columbine killers, got. Just saying. Oh, he's a just saying guy. See those all over the internet. It's a universal flag of douchebaggery. Vesper claimed that the employees at WDBJ truly fucked with my life and caused an awful chain of events. He admits to killing his cats in a forest. Because of them. Because apparently not so much with the cat's lives matter. The church shooting, he says, was a tipping point, but my anger has been steadily building. I've been a human powder keg for a while, just waiting to go boom. Yeah, I'm all fucked up in the head, he conceded. So I guess he got at least one thing right. Now, we don't know anything really about Flanagan's family and upbringing as yet, but we can get a general sense of what he went through based only on three pieces of information. He was raised as a Jehovah's Witness and combined with the fact that he was also a black and gay man, this indicates the presence of dangerous frictions throughout his life. According to the Pew Research think tank, Jehovah's Witnesses are about the least tolerant of homosexuality uh, on the planet, certainly amongst religious groups, surpassing both Muslims and Mormons overall 76 percent of Jehovah's Witnesses agree with the statement that homosexuality is a way of life that should be discouraged by society. For comparison, only 68% of Mormons and 61% of Muslims agreed with this statement. A Jehovah's Witness leader in the U.S. has called gay men a, quote, plague of the new morality and has accused them of being sexual predators. The same man has also warned his flock to avoid wearing tight pants because they are, according to him, designed by gay men. Pew Research data also indicates that blacks are less tolerant of same-sex marriage compared to whites. In 2015, 58% of whites favored gay marriage compared to 39% of blacks. When the U.S. Supreme Court legalized gay marriage, very, very few news outlets reported that the leader of a black pastor organization urged civil disobedience in response to the ruling. One researcher noted, quote, black churches in the USA constitute a significant source of the homophobia that pervades black communities. This theologically driven homophobia is reinforced by the anti-homosexual rhetoric of black nationalism. Can you imagine then being born a gay black Jehovah's Witness? I can't imagine how this man was treated throughout his life, particularly as a child, but not by white people in particular. Now, to my knowledge, nobody has, outside of ABC News, received Vespa's full manifesto, but reports indicate that he was, quote, attacked for being a gay black man and was also, quote, attacked by black men and white females. So let's talk about the boing, the snapping of my inner conformobot with regards to race matters. Let's look at a Huffington Post about Dylan Roof, the Charleston shooter, entitled, We Created Dylan Roof, written by a black woman. And when she says we, she really doesn't mean herself. She means you, uh, if you're white. And if you're not white, any white person you know. And uh, this was the author. She said, so 
Who should we blame for Dylan Roof? We should blame ourselves. All right. Who should we blame for Dylan Roof? We should blame ourselves. White people are responsible for Dylan Roof because we'll get to that in a sec. So I look for both black and white and Asian and whoever writers to write about how this crazy nut job shooter guy, how he is the responsibility of the black community. See, Dylan Roof is the responsibility of all white people. Is this guy the responsibility of all black people? No, can't say that. Can't say that. Because that would have a tiny smidge of intellectual consistency. No, no, no. Can't do that. She writes, Dylan Roof grew up in a society that subtly upholds racist ideals, breeds toxic masculinity, and continues to debate whether guns kill people or people kill people. Okay, a society that subtly upholds racist ideals. I don't know if you've ever been a white man, but let me tell you something about being a white man. Being a white man is to be afraid of the social lynching called, you're a racist. And the way that you can get that is to be at all remotely honest about race. And then suddenly, you're a racist and your career is destroyed and nobody wants to talk to you. This lynch mob of you're a racist white guy is kind of what it's like to be a white guy. So this idea that there's this subtle upholding of racist ideals when white people's sphincters already pretty tight from attempting to dance tighten even further when in the presence of minorities or social justice warriors because what if you say something wrong what if you think you're being funny and you're not and what if somebody's got a recording ah, it's the end of the world as you know it and so this idea that there's this subtle upholding of racist ideals in white society yes there is but it's against white people Oh, can't say that. Oh, no. Too much reality. Nobody wants to hear from white people because the conversation about race is totally one-sided. The CEO of Starbucks recently said, let's have an honest conversation about race. And you, printed, and you read these things and it's like, no, that's not an honest conversation about race. That's blaming white people. That's not an honest conversation about race. That's called verbal abuse. That's creating a Stockholm Syndrome traumatized group of people who can't dance. Oh, I wonder, though, if we could find any area where there is an upholding of racist ideals. I wonder if there's any group in society that continually speaks negatively about another race. Gosh, I wonder if there's maybe even the leader of the Nation of Islam who's calling for violence against whites to cheering crowds. Like, you don't see a lot of acceptance of any kind of violence like that. I'm sure there's some crazy race warriors in the white community, but nobody ever gives them massive amounts of applause and they don't have thousands and thousands of members of their group and they don't get mainstream media coverage. On the other hand, yes, there are a few black groups that seem to have not so subtle upholding of racist ideals. Ooh, I wonder if there's anything or any community in America that has any breeding of toxic masculinity. Huh. Somebody who may have let some dogs out. I'm, I'm not sure exactly, but I'm pretty sure that there's a certain aspect of the black subculture with its rap, um, bitches and, and hoes, that does breed a certain kind of tax, uh, toxic masculinity that worships guns and violence and crime and prison. I told you the cord had snapped. 
This article goes, collectively, we've created that society and we're simultaneously obsessed with and terrified of addressing racism in a real way. Now, when people say they want you to address racism in a real way and you're white, what they mean is, on your knees, white person, it's time to grovel. You must grovel and you must beg forgiveness of stuff in history that happened because everybody knows that all throughout history was nothing but unicorns and, and fairies and fruit falling from trees and sugar fountains that you could drink in and not get any cavities. Everything was wonderful in history and everyone got along well. There was no violence, no slavery, no sexism, no patriarchy, nothing like that until white people came along. Of course, the reality is it was the Western, white Western European Christian race that ended slavery. The worldwide historical has been there since the dawn of time. Practice of slavery was ended by white people. So who are the only people who ever get blamed for slavery? I can't It escapes me because I look too much like my background. He goes, she goes on to write, we don't know if Ruth is a sociopath, a psychopath, depressed, and so forth. We do know that racism is a social construct and it is indoctrinated from a young age. Ruth's story serves as a perfect, if extreme, example of the insidiousness and harmfulness of that kind of casual racism that persists in this country. Now, this woman seems to want to write a lot about the white experience. I'm not sure that she actually asked any white people uh, what kind of indoctrination we've gotten about racism. I don't remember anybody sitting me down and saying, Here's what you got to think about blacks because of how not. You know, white people, eh, you know, most of the people I grew up with, pretty busy getting stuff done, raising their families, going to work, that kind of stuff. And the idea that there's some secret handshake cabal where you take the white children and beat them with sticks of negritude in the basement until they just learn to hate anything uh, is, is, that's black related is ridiculous. This is not how... <laughs> white people work. Never met one, never heard of anything like that. Are there white racists? Of course there are, but they're generally in hiding. Oh my God. <laughs> but black racists and other kinds of racists, way out front and center, blaming everything in the black community on white people. Because we all know that black is just a shadow cast by whiteness and has no will of its own and no choices of its own and no culture of its own and no single parent of it its own and no worship of criminality on its own and no staggeringly high crime rates of its own. It's all what white people do and nothing about any choices that any black person could ever make in history anywhere. She writes, as extreme as Ruth's actions were, they serve as a reminder that racism is as pervasive now and perhaps even as expected as it was 40 years ago. It need only be fostered or worse ignored in order to thrive. See, this is, this is the madness. This is the madness. Which is why people have been self-flagellating about racism for, let's just say, about 50 years or so. You say since the mid-1960s. And, you know, I don't speak collectively. I certainly speak for white people. I may not even be speaking for myself when I sober up. But um, trillions and trillions of dollars have been poured into trying to make the black community better. And there's been affirmative action, which is why, where white people say, okay, we'll not take the job so you can have the jobs, even if you didn't earn it objectively, because racism, we'll just go with that. And uh, there have been uh, Head Start programs largely focused on trying to get black kids to do better uh, in school. There have been just endless amounts of uh, focus 
on how to improve the black community. It's really unprecedented in human history that a minority gets this much attention and care and concern and money and resources and preferential legislation and so on and so on and so on. And um, it is racist. I, I, I'm with, uh, <laughs> I'm with uh, um, Morgan Freeman on this one, our good brother Morgan Freeman, who says, uh, can we just stop talking about it? Great, let's stop talking about it and let's, let's take all racially charged, racially motivated legislation out of the law books. Absolutely, let's just compete on an even playing field. So this idea that racism is more pervasive now, fantastic. I, I actually think that's kind of true in many ways. Racism is more pervasive now, so let's stop talking about race and let's dismantle all preferential racial legislation. Let's let people stand on their own two feet. Let's make sure that everyone can do uh, what they want and what they need without feeling like other people are getting unfair advantages or disadvantages or whatever. Let's just get rid of all this stuff. Does anyone talk about that? No, because there's this giant white guilt button, which if you push it, out spits the Pez bundles of taxpayer cash. You're a racist. There's a white privilege. Uh, a Jim Crow. Uh, slavery. Holla, holla, holla. It's just a carpet bomb of guilt-ridden cash. They might as well be popes and you've sinned for the weekend with a toaster. She goes on to write, Blame mental illness. Blame drugs. Blame everything and anything else that will thicken the line between the ordinary everyday citizen and the person who could bring themselves to kill in the name of an ideology. But unlike those with mental illness, racists learn to look at the world the way they do. It must be acknowledged that there are more Dylan Roofs out there, and they exist because we let them. All right. Good to know. Good to know. So the fact is that there are negative views from one race to another, and they are inculcated and allowed to flourish within a particular community. Does that sound like it describes the white community? Or does that sound like that describes the black community? As it stands, not overall, not, not for everyone, but in general. So black people can call for violence against whites and nothing really happens at all. But if Hulk Hogan uses the word nigger some years ago in a private conversation, his entire career is, just, is destroyed. Does that really seem like that's equal to you? Does that really seem like... Uh, Racism exists because white people just never do anything against it. I mean, gosh, white people use the word nigger and, and nothing bad happens for, to them at all. In fact, the media rush to their defense and argue, well, you know, there's a lot of criminality in the black community and a lot of illegitimacy and a lot of prison time. And a, No, of course not. If, if a, a, a white person does anything that could be remotely conceived as racist, they're lynched in the media. But if black people say racist stuff, like Jamie Foxx going up and talking about Django Unchained saying, hey, it was a movie where I got to shoot lots of white people. What could be better than that? <laughs> That's great. Nothing bad happens to him. Imagine someone goes in a movie and says, oh, man, in this movie, I got to shoot a lot of black people. <laughs> that was great. I loved it. What's what got me out of bed in the morning? Thinking of pointing my gun down. Oh, you just, you don't know. If you're not white, you don't know. Because nobody asks. The very same Huffington Post is now republishing articles arguing that Flanagan's Virginia shooting is not an anti-white hate crime. It's not. It's not. Somebody asked one of their security experts, uh, shouldn't this really be a racist hate crime? I mean, he said he wanted a race war. He said it was racially motivated and he hated white people. The answer, security expert said, is not that simple. Now, when people tell you 
when you ask them an obvious question, like, okay, Dylan Roof shot people because of racial motivations. So that's a racist hate crime. Here's a black guy who shot white people because of racist motivations and a history of racist motivations. Isn't that a racist hate crime? No, no, it's not that simple. And what people mean by that when they tell you that is, I'm about to baffle gab you with a cannon full of word salad so that you don't notice my glaring and obvious double standard in hypocrisy. Oh, what did this man have to say? Well, um, because he sent this manifesto saying his tipping point was the June shooting of nine congregants in a historic black church in Charleston, uh, when Dylan Roof explicitly revealed his racist motivations, his desire to kill pla uh, black people. But um, the security expert on the Huffington Post says, well, you know, we don't know for sure. I mean, so he said stuff and he did stuff, which is pretty much what Dylan Roof said and did. But it's completely different. So, <laughs> shiny squirrel. Oh, my goodness. So, you see, people are talking about this as workplace violence, except he was fired roughly two years ago. How can it be workplace violence if you come back after you were fired two years ago and you haven't worked there for two years? Well, we've got to call it workplace violence. What's the motivation? Could it be anti-white hatred? No, because black angels. The security expert continued, quote, hate crime is something where he clearly was motivated by a sense of race, color, or creed. Okay, that's what he said. That's what he did. Is there some magic universe where we completely ignore what people say and do in order to come to our conclusions? But you see this double standard all over the place. Elliot Roger, the virgin son of that famous Hollywood assistant director who murdered six people in California last year. First of all, they said he was white. No. Half white, half Asian. Not white. It's about as white as a white Hispanic. Zimmerman, if you remember. Gotta get him white. In fact, there was a prominent black lights activist who blamed the whole thing on white racism until he found out that this shooter, recent shooter, wasn't white, in which case, oop, quiet, shh, keep moving away. But Elliot Roger, uh, the murdered six people, uh, of course they said it was all hatred towards women, even though he killed many more men, and they tried to tie him into the men's rights movement. This is what happens when you get a lot of men's rights movements, people... Because the guy was like subscribed to left-wing news channels. He wasn't subscribed to any men's rights movements. He never posted to anyone's knowledge on a men's rights movement's website. But you got to tie him into something horrible. I also want you to imagine if this shooter, the, the, the guy who gunned down these, um, these two white people, if he'd worn a Donald Trump badge and shot a bunch of black people, can you imagine how much fallout there would be with regards to Donald Trump? Donald Trump is provoking. I mean, they, they just, there was a couple of guys who, who beat up a Hispanic, Hispanic homeless guy. No ties to Donald Trump, but they blamed it on Donald Trump. This guy wears an Obama badge and two years later is gunning down white people. Shh, just keep moving. So everybody tries to grab these guys and jam them into whatever movement they hate the most, but they can't find anything about this guy in terms of movements that they hate and therefore you don't say anything about it. When Jared Lee Lohner shot up Gabrielle Giffords, people blamed Sarah Palin because she had on her website targets, you know, like we're going to take out these districts. And everyone said, oh, it's Sarah Palin motivated this guy to shoot. Turned out some Democratic uh, contender for some political office did exactly the same thing. So, poof, it's 
gone. It's gone. ABC published excerpts from Flanagan's manifesto with the following title. After shooting, alleged gunman details grievances in suicide notes. Grievances. Grievances. I don't believe Dylan Roof's manifesto was ever described as a list of grievances. Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, did he have a list of grievances or was he a crazy evil son of a bitch? Now, of course, uh, it's important to remember this equation. You see, if a white person shoots a black person, it's because of racism. If a black person shoots a white person, we need gun control. Uh, and um, nobody's talking about the underlying racism and um, the fact that the media continues to foster hatred of whites in the, in the black community, uh, it doesn't um, show up at all. I mean, of course, the media is not going to take any responsibility for hostility uh, from um, blacks to whites, even though they're continually uh, fostering it all over the place. Uh, of course, Barack Obama said, well, we got to have gun control. Hillary Clinton told reporters, we have got to do something about gun control in America, and I will take it on. I believe we are smart enough. We are compassionate enough to figure out how to balance the legitimate Second Amendment rights with preventative measures and control, and so that whatever motivated this murderer who eventually took his own life, that we will not see more deaths, needless, senseless deaths. But we already know what motivated Vesper Flanagan to commit two horrific murders. Will those control measures factor in racism against white people, given that liberals live in this fantasy world where only whites are bad? I, I gotta say, I, I have my doubts. Dylan Roof was called a white supremacist. Bryce Williams will not be referred to as a black supremacist, even though fundamentally there's not a huge amount of difference between the two crimes that these men committed. Look, black people can fail for reasons other than racism. I don't know why this needs to be said, but it does. Hey, black people, it could be that you're failing because you're an asshole. There, I said it. Maybe there's racism, sure, absolutely. But it could just be possible that because you're a really violent, aggressive jerk who files lawsuits against people who give him jobs, which are unfounded, and then files more, that might be why you're failing. You see, people don't want to help you if you hate them. People don't want to have much to do with you if you hate them. You know, a lot of black people aren't trying to get jobs at the KKK, because KKK seems kind of anti-black to me. See how that works? If you hate white people, it's kind of tough to make it in a white-ish world. Now, you can, of course, segregate and you can go create your own businesses and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, works for some, works for others, certainly would solve the problem of racism. But if you want to work for white people and you hate white people, it might not just be racism that is producing a negative outcome for you. It can be a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I hate the white man. Hey, I keep getting fired. I hate the white man. Man, I got fired again. I hate the white man. I'm going to kill the white man. Man, I just can't seem to hold a job. Those white people, no wonder I want to kill them. They're so racist. Ah! I mean, solve your own problems and then complain about other people. That, that's a kind of possibility. Um, are there any problems in the black community? Yeah, there are problems in the white community as well. Problems in the Asian community. And you know who's best at solving the problems in the Asian community? Asian people. You know who's really great at solving problems in the white community? 
white people. You know who else is really great at solving the problems in the black community? No, I can't think of it because liberal short circuit. I think you get where I'm coming from. And so this idea that, that if you simply give this infinite set of excuses to uh, aggrieved black people, yeah, was there injustice throughout history? Absolutely there was injustice throughout history. Everyone suffered it. Some people benefited. Some people didn't. I mean, good heavens, Japanese people come to America and they do really well. They have a higher per capita income than whites. Do you know what white people did to Japanese people? Bombed the living shit out of their entire island and dropped two nukes on civilian cities, killing hundreds of thousands and creating radiation damage that lasted two generations. So, yeah, that wasn't particularly nice. And they're doing very well. Jews, after they came from the Holocaust to America, achieved parity with white income in about five years. Now, you could argue that the slaughter of six million of your countrymen in horrible death camps could somewhat approach slavery in terms of its negative impact on a culture and a group. Would you rather be in a concentration camp or picking cotton? I'll choose the cotton. Let me just say that right up front. And I don't even tan that well. Look at these freckles. I'm telling you, I'm basically an Irish candlestick. Or you could just call it a uh, melanonin-challenged vampire who explodes in con direct contact with sunlight. I'd still rather choose the cotton fields. I'll take a sunburn over Zyklon B. Thank you very much. So yes, injustices, my ancestors were enslaved by those Italians. Still no reparations. You, okay, you gave us pizza, although you didn't invent it. I'll take it. So there are injustices throughout history, and you can sit and nurture them, and you can focus on them, and you can get enraged by them, and you can hate everyone around you who's more successful than you because of them, and you can create some horrible counterculture, which is a death cult of worshipping empty sex, broken families, prison, violence, illegality, and the general destruction of everything decent and noble in the human condition, then you might not do that well. I'm just saying, oh no, I can't say that because I really hate that phrase. It's possible that this might have some kind of effect on the way that you uh, end up existing uh, as a group. Other opportunities? Yeah, I mean, blacks in America are about the richest blacks in the world and the blacks with the most opportunity in the world. Blacks who come over from West Africa do even better than whites. So where is all this racism? I grew up, Michael Jackson was the undisputed king of pop and nobody ever said, well, I'm not gonna buy that album because he's black. No, he's a genius of, of singing and drumming and dancing and songwriting and entertainment and performing and so on. Obviously a bit of a creep, not your first choice on the list of babysitters, but nonetheless, nobody said that at all. Uh, I don't think that uh, any movie maker, uh, if Denzel Washington or Morgan Freeman or any of the other fine black actors come along and say, I'd love to be on your movie, they're like, nah, not really so much. I'm going to find some white unknown because racism. No, where there's benefit, we all love interacting with each other, regardless of race. But if you have a culture that hates a particular group, and I'm talking to you black people, if you have a culture that hates a particular group, that particular group ain't going to warm to you too much. And I'm getting a little bit tired of it. I'm just getting a little bit bored of it. Uh, this white guilt stuff is incredibly racist and it's incredibly toxic towards the black community. You know, just say no. No. Like four or 5% of white people in the South owned slaves and then white people ended slavery. I think we're done. I think we're done. It's all over. I mean, this, this, uh, I don't know. And how about, um, you know, the, the racism in, in affirmative action? Was this guy, did he get through university based on affirmative action? Was he hired because of affirmative action? Uh, 
you know, the fact that the media is very focused on getting black people in front of the camera so that they don't get investigated by the government for not being representative enough, that's pretty terrifying for people. I mean, if you've got an employee uh, account of 50 or more, and you do 50K or more worth of business with the federal government, every single year you have to hire, a, uh, you have to file a diversity plan, which says, here's how we're going to become more diverse. Please don't investigate and sue us and shut us down and slap us with fines and destroy our will to live. And uh, That's no fun. That's no fun. I don't want to look at somebody black who's successful and say, hey, I wonder if they did it on their own or if people were forced to give it to them. That's terrible. Do you know how bad it is for very smart, capable, intelligent, ambitious black people that there's affirmative action? Because if someone graduates from a college with a law degree or an engineering degree or a physics degree or any kind of degree and they're black, the people who are hiring have no idea if they're there because of preferential enrollment policies, affirmative action policies, or not which means that the really smart and competent blacks get lost in the shuffle of the blacks who were there for political correctness. So the smart blacks will uh, end up not getting as much from a college degree because it's suspect, which means that fewer blacks end up wanting to go to college. Oh dear, did government force not solve a problem again? Because race relations have largely throughout American history been a product of government programs. Slavery was a government program. Segregation, Jim Crow, all government programs. The welfare state, government program. Affirmative action, government program. Section 8, all the stuff that shredded and destroyed the black family, which, as black economist Tom Sowell has pointed out, didn't even happen under slavery. It took the welfare state to destroy the black family, which had survived even slavery. All of these things are incredibly race conscious. All of them. Why was there a housing crash? One big reason why there was a housing crash was not because of the repeal of Glass-Steagall and a lack of regulations. Oh, that's all ridiculous and easily provable false. Regulations increased under Bush. Glass-Steagall, there was, no, there was no, never been a Glass-Steagall in Canada. We didn't have a housing crash. The reason there was a housing crash was because the government forced banks to lend to underqualified people because there was this myth that somehow there was racism against blacks in mortgages. And so the government said, you have to now give this many loans to blacks. And so what happened was they gave these loans to blacks and to blacks who weren't qualified to, and to whites who weren't qualified and everyone else who wasn't qualified, but it was largely targeted at blacks. So you got a bunch of blacks in there who couldn't afford their houses the moment that interest rates went up. The banks were so concerned about these uh, exposures and the possibility of losing money on these loans that they bundled them into these mortgage-backed securities and shipped them all over the world, which virtually blew up the entire economic system, rendering hundreds of millions of people potentially dying of starvation in cities. Do we really want to let the government keep running race relations in America, in Canada, anywhere in the world? Don't we just want to get government out of it? Let's have a level playing field. Let's let go of past grievances. We're all going to live together. Nobody's going anywhere. Let's get the government out of trying to manage our relationships and let's negotiate one-on-one -on -one, face to face. And for God's sakes, let's have an honest conversation about race that doesn't just involve flagellating Whitey until he shits some gold, uh, some government gold all over some aggrieved group. And kind of the last thing I just want to say, I am so unbelievably sick of the mainstream media. I am so viciously, virulently, bile-filledly sick of the mainstream media. The stuff they say. One in five women are raped in college. Not true. 97% of all scientists agree about human-caused climate doom. No, not true. Not even close to true. Women only earn 77 cents on the dollar compared to men's earnings. Not when you counter in, factor in time off work to raise kids and part-time work and level of education. And <laughs> Michael Brown was a gentle giant who was shot in the back. No, he really, really wasn't. 
Super Bowl Sunday has the highest rate of domestic violence because men hopped up on beer and tight butts and wide shoulders beat up their wives. Lies. Donald Trump's campaign is over. His support is crashing because Democrats need votes, you see, and big business needs cheap labor. The IRS targeted conservative groups. The IRS targeted conservative groups. It's what happened. I'm sorry, it's true. The IRS targeted conservative groups. And a study has shown that that actually handed the election to Obama and the Democrats. It's a third world banana republic. Use the bureaucracy to stifle the voice of the people so that you can take power. Yeah, media talking about it? No, of course not, because it could be conceived as racist. Oh, don't worry, folks, the economy is recovering. It's absolutely going to be right back. Gun control leads to less violence. Deregulation costs the housing bubble. Oh, Elliot Roger was a reflection of the rampant misogyny of white men, although he was only half Asian and raised in the kind of wealth and multiculturalism that most white people can't even dream of. George Zimmerman tape, let's edit that to make him look racist. Oh, and let's use a really old photograph and lighten it of him at 300 pounds and a younger photo of Trayvon Martin just to make it look like there was no capacity for any claim of self-defense. It just lies, 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 lies. Where is it going to end? Well, my friends, let me tell you when it's going to end. The lies of the mainstream media, the divisiveness of the mainstream media, the war of all against all that is fanned and flamed and inflamed by the mainstream media, they will shut up when you do something like this.